Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Transformation Gold Coaching and Training Academy's podcast. This is your coach. This is your hostess, the hostess with the mostess. <laughs> My name is Nicole Devensenis. It's awesome to have you here with us this evening. So just want to let you know before we get rocking and rolling here that this, honest to God, this is a coaching and training podcast. This is not here for mere entertainment value. We're here to assist you and serve you, whether you're in a transition point, you're in your come up, you're recreating yourself, or you are in the process of like starting anew, wherever it is, all right? The stuff that we provide for you assists you at those transition points. And this evening, what we're talking about here, we're stepping up our game in a big way when it comes to what we bring on this podcast. We're talking about shortening the time period between idea execute or idea inception rather and execution. Now, if you have followed any of our podcasts leading up to this point, I left a very intentional digital trail from the very first podcast that I did, which was, I, I think it was close to two years ago, and then a whole entire mess of them in the middle where I was working shit out because I was unsure of the direction that I was going to be taking professionally. How about that? I'll be very transparent, very honest with you. Um, I can tell you, all right, so if this is your first time on our podcast, let me back up just a little bit. I am by history and license a registered nurse. And literally, like my whole entire life has really been working in some sort of a capacity of a nurse, but a registered nurse for over 20 years. I worked and served in mostly emergency situations, medical trauma, flight, etc., etc. Uh, I spent a lot of time actually teaching and coaching in uh, classroom settings in different coaching environments for first responders and emergency people at large. And then round about 2014 is actually when I quit my job, the last like probably real clinical job, it actually was in 2014 that I had. And this was after a very long period of time of my desperately wanting to do something different other than be a clinical nurse. For real. Like, I'm going to tell you straight up that, and we're going to get into what this means, like shortening the time period between idea, inception, and execution. I'm just sharing with you a little bit of my story so that maybe for you, if you're on this podcast, there can be some points of relevancy for you. Um, and we're going to make this a very powerful coaching podcast for you, I promise. Um, what happened was, from the very get-go, I never wanted to even be a nurse. I'm, like, for real. When I say never, I mean never. I, when I went to college, I was pre-med, a psych major pre-med, and taking all, like, the normal classes and things. Never wanted to be a nurse. Bad mouth nurses, actually. Um, at the time, I was working as a waitress and a bartender, and I made the parallel between nurses and waitresses. Like, waitresses, you know, and bartenders pass out cocktails, and nurses, you know, pass out pills and, like, syringes full of morphine. Like, it, it just, it didn't seem to be very difficult for me. And then, long story short, what happened was I went to school up on the north side of Chicago and was sitting on a bunch of, like, giant limestone rocks on Lakeshore 
um, of Lake Michigan rather. And it was literally, I, I swear to God, literally, like it was a calling that happened. It was an anvil on my head moment where it wasn't like I heard a voice, but for lack of a better example, it was kind of like I heard a voice and I stood up and said, I'm going to be a nurse. And I walked over to the nursing school and filled out an application and the rest is, you know, professional history. So there was like an about face, which happened from the beginning. But I'm telling you, even when I was walking into the nursing school to apply, I think that was my the end of my freshman year or the beginning of my sophomore year in college, I knew that I wasn't going to do it forever. I don't know how I did. I just knew that I wasn't going to do it. Had no idea what I would do afterwards, but I went into it, you know, full force. I I maximized my gift. I took advantage of every single opportunity. I met great people. I really do view my time as a nurse as being a complete privilege because especially working in emergency capacity at the and at the hospital where I was based out of, you're always in people's lives at the worst possible moment. I mean, maybe I think one time we had a baby which was delivered like on time, like full term, no complications, not fetal alcohol syndrome, not like going through withdrawals, not like no pro- like a normal healthy baby once. Okay, that was it. Aside from that, it's a place where people go when like shit hits the fan. You know what I'm saying? And so it's a privilege for me to be or to have been serving in that capacity. But as time was ticking on, in the back of my mind, I always knew there had to be some sort of an exit strategy. I just never knew what that thing was going to be. Okay, now here's what it looks like. I loved being a nurse in the fact that I loved helping people like I loved figuring out the problems that people were having especially like here's the deal when people would come in with a traumatic injury if they had like a bullet hole in them it's pretty easy to figure out what's wrong with them right if they get shot in the chest like you can pretty much figure out like where the bullet is going and then you do an x-ray and you see you know what's going on you know and you can figure it out like where is the bullet did it pop their lung did it you ricochet off of you know their rib whatever but the the more interesting cases for me were people who maybe were in a car accident where they didn't have you know, an eye beam sticking out of their chest or something. You had to figure out what was wrong. And they weren't awake to tell you if they were in pain, they were unconscious, their blood pressure and everything was all jacked up. And you go on these, like, a very, very structured, but very, like, in-depth exploration, if you would. And you use, like, their mechanism of injury to figure out what could possibly be wrong with these people. And you learn things as you go and you respond to the situation. It's cool. Same thing when you're working in the medical area. You know, you have to figure out, like, what's really causing the problem. So I loved all that. And I loved the pace. I The sicker they were, the more I loved it. And I didn't really expect to love it as much as I did. But it didn't mean that during those times... I didn't think about, okay, what I'm going to do next. I didn't know. For me, nursing became my life. I loved research and I loved the people that I was working with wholeheartedly. But as time was going on and I was starting to learn more about how do you earn more income and 
really how big or small the raises were. And again, like nurses, you make a very good living. There's no quite like you have full benefits. People are always going to be needing nurses until the end of time. And especially in emergency, as long as people do stupid shit and they get un- more unhealthy and more obese, they're always going to need emergency nurses. So it wasn't like job scarcity or anything that I was ever even worried about. It, it was none of that. It was, I didn't want to do it anymore. Like it just, that was how it was. And I just kind of got used to things. You know, I became a flight nurse. Like I accomplished all these goals, but eventually the learning curve stopped, the excitement was gone, and it was just really tired of the same old stuff every single day. And I know that sounds weird if you're not from healthcare, because you might be like, oh my God, how exciting. Well, eventually, like, it's not anymore. It's like different people come in, but it's the same old chest pain and the same old asthma and the same old drunk people who puke all over themselves and they got their dinner stuck in their beard. And then it's this, like, it's the same old and everyone's complaining and rightfully so, because everybody's in pain in some capacity. <laughs> like, and, and the staff is complaining. It's just like your life force is being sucked out of you. But again, I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And so for me, I come from um, my parents' divorce when I was very young. My dad, like super, super stellar salesman major hustler, top income earner, top producer in his industry for several decades. So, you know, he's straight hustle. And um, my the household that I lived in, though, we were entrepreneurs. And most of the people on my mom's side, like all entrepreneurs. So as I was starting to really complain about my job, my dad was not supportive of me doing anything else. My dad was all about, you know, Nick, <laughs> security. Like, he's the dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're good. Like, just stay in there. And, like, you try to, like, build up how exciting the job was, you know? And love him for that. But on the other side, everybody in my, in my mom's side was just like, well, just go do something else. Like, open up your own business. Go coach nutrition. Go do something. And... I knew, number one, I didn't want to do just that. I knew the numbers. I knew that there was not going to be enough money. It was going to take time to build up a clientele and it's just going to be nutrition for my whole entire life. I don't don't really want to do that. Now, here's what I was doing, though. I was actually, and this is bringing up like shortening that time period between idea execution or idea inception rather and execution is... I was exploring options within my own industry. Okay, I went back to school. I think I went back to undergrad first and started taking classes. I thought to myself, you know what, I want to make more money. Like my whole, nothing is really working out how I thought it was gonna. I'm going to go back to my original plan, which is to go to medical school. And so I re-enlisted in undergrad and I was sitting in the chemistry auditorium, you know, like with 200 people. And I sat in there and of course everybody was younger than me, but I didn't really care about that. It was just that it was not the right fit. And I was like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. So You know, you pay that money for the books, you know, you take the books back, you don't get as much money back, even though it's only been like two days. It's like total scamorama. It just just pissed me off. That pissed me off. And then I thought to myself, you know what? 
maybe what I should really do here, since I'm already teaching doctors who are residents and interns and students, I love physiology. Like, let me operate in the area of my strengths. Let me go back, get my PhD in physiology, and then go teach medical school. Like, it seems like there should be an, an increased income to do that, you know, and I'm widening my scope and widening my network. Like, that's what I'm going to do. So I go back to grad school and I'm sitting down with one of the advisors and she asked me, what do you want to do? I said, I would like to, you know, focus on physiology. And she said, why? What are you going to do? And I told her, and she said, we can't do that. I said, why not? And she said, because you're just a nurse. And I said, okay. She goes, and nurses can't teach, you can't teach medical school because you're not a doctor, you're just a nurse. To which I said, well, physiology doesn't change based on your licensure. What's the difference? And she's like, you can't do that. So then that pissed me off. Now I'm starting to like resent my own industry here because no matter where I was turning, it was just like, nope, can't do that, Nicole. Can't do that, Nicole. Can't do that. You can't do that. And I really felt like I was having, my style was being cramped. Does that make sense? Now, in the meantime, my family was still, I was still complaining. And now, now I'm complaining even more. I swear to you, it was probably an entire year that I complained nonstop. Bless my family for tolerating me during that time because it was not pretty. Like I complained about being in the ER. I complained about the changing of the, of the environment of healthcare, the fact that I couldn't do what I wanted to do and going back to school. I don't even know how my family dealt with me, to be quite honest with you. But it didn't change the fact that I was still exploring options amidst my family telling me, just quit and go do, you know, your little nutrition thing. What are you, a chicken? And they started, and this, like, this is, this, my family is like wonderful people. It's not that they're bad people, all right? They were stepping in to, like, I think, shut me the hell up because that's miserable to be around. But more so because, like, girl, like, you know what to do. Go make money, okay? But for me, I only understood what I was doing now, looking back. Because up to this point, everybody has been telling me, like, Nick, you're just a chicken. Like, why were you so afraid? And it wasn't that I was afraid. It was honestly like, number one, I didn't want to do it. Just be a nutrition coach. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but that wasn't what I wanted to do. Number two, I knew I was going to have to do a lot of volume. Number three, I was well aware of the fact that people didn't want to pay for that kind of stuff at the price point that I wanted to charge. I didn't know everything that I needed to know, and I didn't know how to build a business in that. It, and I, by this point in time, I already was in a house. So my, like, I knew my numbers, my expenses were what they were like. And so when you get to those points, it can feel like you're stuck and like, there's no way out. Now for me, I'm 100% a goal-oriented individual. So once I establish a goal, decide what it is that I'm going to do, I never give credence. I never give any energy to like, what's it going to take? Okay. The only time I ever really dilly-dally on that is when I've not committed to the goal. That's it. And that's how it is with everybody. So for me, if it doesn't really interest me, I, I know myself when it comes to like moving forward, like major, major strides, I'm not, I wasn't willing to commit myself to that, to the capacity that I was as 
any portion of my nursing career. And it was, it was super frustrating for me. It was frustrating. I, I just like, oh my God. And I didn't feel like I was ever going to get out of there. And, you know, I took different opportunities. I, I put myself and, and accepted an invitation rather um, in an educational capacity. I knew that I needed sales. I knew that I needed public uh, speaking experience. I didn't know why. I just knew that I did. So I took that educational opportunity and ran with it. And then after probably about it was probably between nine and 10,000 hours of public speaking from the front of a room with different size groups. Then I actually put in papers um, to be accepted at, at large, you know, national, international conferences. And so that's what that was. But again, still, I didn't know what I wanted to do to the full extent and long term, even though I was still making strides. Okay. Now here's the teaching point and the coaching point is that on the one hand, when you're in action, sometimes people who are looking at you from the outside, they don't realize what it is that you're actually doing until you show results. And then all of a sudden you're like, bam, this is, here's the results. And they're like, oh my God, I didn't even know that you were doing this which was really the case with my family. I never told any of them that I was going back to school. I was there. <laughs> okay. I just figured like, I'll let you know after. And it was a no-go for me. So for me, much like anything else, like if this is a no-go, I'm not, I do not do small talk. I don't care. Like whatever my day-to-day is, I just I don't even energize it. I don't bring it up. I just don't talk about it. I hate small talk. All right. When there's massive things in motion or, you know what I'm saying? Like then I will share or then I will talk or whatever. But just like the day-to-day stuff, like working and producing results, like that's the expectation. So I don't need to, you know... For me, I'm especially I'm a single woman right now. I don't need to ask permission from anybody. And I don't require affirmation to do anything. Okay? This is honest to God like how I'm built. And I want to bring this up in the podcast because I think based on... I've been coaching a lot of people recently and... I forget sometimes that, especially when I coach people who I, for a long time, I coach people who were only in my warm market. Now I'm expanding that and people don't know me. They, I've been getting people from, you know, different marketing attempts. And so when I step up into my full coaching capacity, I forget that people don't know my journey or my path and that today a lot of times that trust and rapport that comes about like this is this is a new season for me as a coach and for me to be able to unpack like this is how I'm built does that make sense it's never meant as like a oh my God, this is me, you know, like I'm so awesome. Like for me as a coach, one of the biggest breakdowns has always been, I never understood why people talked about stuff that they wanted to do, period. 
and didn't take action on it. Like for me, that was a major stopping block in my coaching journey. And eventually I did simply quit my job. I started doing nutrition coaching. It it did not go well, but I didn't have a good enough understanding of people and how to meet people where they are and then assist them to stepping up. I come from a family of sheer hustlers like immediate and extended family. We're all salespeople and entrepreneurs where you want to find out what we're doing. You got to come and find us. Like we're in action producing the results. Do you know, does that make sense? So to go back and then try to like, oh my gosh, like not everybody is built that way. That for me was a major challenge that for a long time, I was just, I was like stumped, like, what the hell is the matter with these people? Like, why, why aren't they doing the recommendations? Like, why, and this was just nutrition, like, why are they eating worse than before we started? And why are they paying me and not doing the shit? Like, for me, that was where I came from. So the, the the script is actually quite flipped and it may sound like conceited. I swear to you, it was blind. It, I just didn't understand it. As much as people don't understand, I think what it means to be a person of action where you're used to like, you have to talk about stuff, have to talk about like that's that's your habit. My habit is like, there's idea inception, boom, you're in execution. And by the time anybody knows what you're doing, you already have at least, at least six months invested in your new endeavor. If not longer, these days, it's way longer. The stuff that I'm putting out now, I swear to you, I wrote and I created between three and five years ago already. Like we're at that point. So (laughs) this is just so much. I didn't know how to get it out there. I didn't, I had to practice my writing voice, my speaking voice. Like your journey takes a long time, which is why you cannot afford to waste the time and talk, 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 talk about what it is that you want to do or talk about, you know, how things could be or should have been had, you know, this happened and this, you don't have time for that delay because your learning curve and your ironing out, you know, some of the, the, the wrinkles in the rough patches and, you know, turning out what's going to be a more polished product or presentation or, you know, your skill or whatever it is, the thing is that you're working on your relationship ability or communication, whatever it takes a while. And When you get those flashes of brilliance, like those ideas that come to you, that's, that's where I excel as a coach because I am a woman of action. It's, we're doing this. This is not, let me kind of sort of think about, no, we, we take the time between the two. We narrow it to zero. Procrastination is, there's no such thing. Procrastination is, it's not even in our dictionary. Do, which most people are not ready for because most people need to get ready <laughs> to get ready. And trust me, like there's been times in my life where I needed to do that too. But when you're, 
when you're like committing and when the time is pressing there for you to move the needle on any endeavor, personal or professional, the key is to eliminate that time period between your idea and when you actually execute on it. And then when you come back around and then you see like everybody was Ben dogging me about not, you know, they didn't, what happens is that you get in, in all this, this, you know, action and people will be talking to you or about you and saying all kinds of things and making up stories about you. Sometimes you, you literally cannot allow your focus to detract from it. You have to remain 100% focused on the path that you're traveling. Because people are always going to say whatever they're going to say. And they're only going to understand your situation from the perspective that they're viewing it. Very few people are going to have all of the information that's required. To say, oh, you're not moving, blah, 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 when you're truly in action. Does that make sense? So right now, I bet I'm speaking to some people who are in action (laughs) and perhaps you're around the wrong people or you have not been communicative enough to share what it is that you're doing. And maybe that's intentional because you don't have the right people around you. Like you could go on, you can twist this how like however you want. Okay. But wherever you are, Okay, it it doesn't, what I'm saying is whatever people say, whatever, you know, worries you may actually have cannot detract from your taking continuous steps forward. Okay, now one of the things that will help you to understand yourself a little bit more, or if you lead a team, all right, you're in charge of people, you're responsible for people, you're building an organization, you know, there's, we have a lot of people who come on this podcast from all different walks, you know, leadership studies, organizational leadership, everything that we coach and train on, it's applicable to all areas of life. So for those of you who are in leadership roles, the more you understand about why people do what they do, the easier it is for you to remain like the calm, steady force you you remain the metronome, you remain the peace pole, and you pull people into your peace rather than, you know, allowing them to suck you into their chaos, <laughs> okay? But here's what's up. So we're going to talk a little bit about some physiology here, and let's talk about some brain function here, all right? And then we're going to wrap this into, you know, why people do what they do, and you're going to see, like, how does procrastination actually, you know, happen, outside of something like sheer laziness, okay? <laughs> I have well-intentioned people on this podcast, so we can, we can certainly joke, all right? So let's first talk about the brain, okay? And what we're going to talking about is more so like the mind, not, not like actual brain. So everybody knows like you have a right side of the brain and a left side of the brain, okay? Usually, right-sided brain people or right-sided brain functions, what, what are they known for? That's the creative side, right? It's the artsy side, the musical side, the very free side, the impulsive side. It's like the child, right? That's like lives in the now, 
wants what it wants when it wants it, doesn't give a care about time, doesn't care about consequences. <laughs> it's fun, pleasure. Okay, very flow. But here's the other thing. Because it lives in the present, it does not have the ability to remember things from the past and pull them into the present or to, into the future. Okay, so it doesn't worry because it doesn't have that recollection. Whereas the opposite side of the brain, the mind rather, the left side, what's left-sided brain function or, or mind known for? And it's analytics, right? Numbers, logic, methodical, structured, organized. It's very much the adult, right? Worried about time, worried about bureaucratic calendar, Worried being the key word here because the left side of the brain has the ability to remember things from the past and bring them up into the present and into the future and create a state of worry. Okay, now here's what happens when it comes to worry, especially if there was something bad that happened in the past. When you do that, what actually happens is that worry combined with the memory, it actually creates the emotions inside of you that are the exact same and the biochemistry that were the exact same of how you felt when the bad thing happened to you, when the painful event or whatever situation happened to you. And it creates like this vicious cycle because the more you bring emotions into things, the more firmly and the more deep the memory is impressed upon you. Which means the more you worry, the more you fear that same thing is going to happen to you. Which means when you go to take a step forward, all of a sudden that adult side of you, the protective side of you, the left side of you is like, Okay, and then you elicit the response again. You feel those feelings. It further impresses that. Okay, so this is like if you had your shoe, you had like a memory was like the soil and like moist, like wet soil, you step on it and you can see your footprint, the shoe print. And then you do it again and it's deeper and again and again and again and again. Like you just keep on pressing this stuff down, down, down. It's getting more tight, more compact, more deeply ingrained, okay, actually in you. And that's why sometimes things are so difficult to break because you have the combination of like a biochemistry, all right, of emotions with memory, and a habit of repetitive thought and bouncing back between the two, the feeling and the thought and the feeling and the thought and the feeling and the thought. Like take your finger and start making fast circles around and round and round like, okay, that's actually what happens. Now you can see like, it's like the Tasmanian devil. It's very, very, very hard to break that cycle. And so when you're doing it and you're trying to go about it alone, even if you're making a change for the positive, when you're stuck in that cyclone of, of, oh my God, it, it, it can be overwhelming. 
And that's usually when people have the greatest, that's when the fear is the greatest of making the change because you're worried about things, you know, going back to how they were that one time. You fear repeating the past. But that's merely, that's that left side of your brain, which is taking over. So here's, here's where our coaching programs come in to assist you. Right now, I'm actually coaching. It's pretty cool how I, I my job is so freaking cool. Like I just, I'm amazed by it like every single day. I coach people in waves. Like it seems like I coach entrepreneurs in waves, like all my clients are entrepreneurs. And then the next wave of people who come through, they're all women. And then the next wave that comes through, they all are from healthcare. Like they're all very, like all coming through in waves and waves and waves. And so right now I'm actually coaching a lot of women from the healthcare industry, which is pretty cool. I mean, it definitely can relate to them. And What's humbling is that I look back, like like their complaints of where they are, like a lot of them have been very, very excellent professional women and they're at transition points where, you know, some of them like the, the condition of their homes have been like their homes have been neglected. They've been spending extra time in the professional realm and stuff at home has gotten neglected. And they want to do something new. They're getting ready to, some of them have their exit strategy in place to, you know, finish out that chapter of their life and do something new. But when they're looking around, like all of a sudden, they're just like really disappointed and frustrated with the condition of their home. Or some of them, it's their finances. Or some of them, it's their relationships. And, you know, they're stuck in that thing and like, oh my God, well, if I try to change and if I do this other thing, then this is going to happen. And I can see so clearly now where people are in their mental. But for me, as the coach, it took me a while to get here because I never could understand I I never looked at myself like that. I knew I was only in it myself, but then as I became a coach, I couldn't figure out like barring major life things like why people weren't taking action. It was that overwhelm, like what what makes people tick? And for my healthcare people, they're highly scientific. Like they need they need reasons for what the hell's going on. Like just say like, "Oh, this is just how it is." Like isn't good enough for them. Like they need to have information. So for me to show up as a very awesome coach and be able to coach people of all walks, people who have way, way, way more education than I do even, I had to take action on, hey, I, 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 I need to be the best here. Who, who out in the space is better than me? And then go get their coaching and training learn what it was that they were learning. And that took time as well. So time is 100% the essence. What ends up happening then, or though, when I usually coach my people from healthcare, depending on how long and strong, you know, they've been in their, in their patterns and their habits and their behaviors and their beliefs. 
sometimes it, and and they don't know this early on in the process but much later they come to see that it actually is a fear base even though they're courageous in everything that they do professionally and even personally most times but there's a fear base and so a lot of my work with those individuals is teaching them how to shut off that left side of the brain and get them to chill out a little bit to allow the right side of the brain to percolate a little bit so they can be in flow. They're very good at organizing a lot of things, but when the balance is off and they are controlling so much that their life has reached a stall, There's like, there's a methodology that I use with those individuals to get them to actually be in more flow, but it usually takes longer. It usually takes way longer with a healthcare provider. Again, simply because especially today, there's so much order and (laughs) like restriction on what it is that they do. Does that make sense? And so wherever you are in your personal journey, you know, whatever industry it is that you work in or whatever situation it is that you came from, like there's always going to be stuff that's going to inhibit you. All right. Whether it's somebody's criticism or if it's not that, then it's your own mind you know, limiting you in some capacity because you're, you're stuck on the left side. All right. I know everybody, there's like ebbs and flows of all those different things. Usually answers come to you when you're silent. And so if I can make a very strong recommendation for you, Sometimes the answer is to do less busy work and focus on what it is exactly that you want. I shouldn't even say sometimes. All the time. (laughs) It's to clearly identify what it is that you want. And then you get into action and and you take the productive steps to actually making that happen. But when you are constantly in overwhelm and overload because your busyness and sometimes you keep yourself busy because you are afraid to look the beast in the face and deal with it, whatever it is. Everybody has that at some point. High-level producers, people who you think like have their shit totally together, everybody is a human being. And nobody, to the best of my knowledge, has everything completely perfect. It's just how far sometimes things can actually get out of whack And when they are, are you willing to have that moment of, (laughs) Houston, we have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) 
like and surrender all right and look at the beast like stare at it with uh, honest and clear eyes and say you know what this shit can't stay this has got to go <laughs> and then begin to build the new but when you're in the middle there and you're stuck in that overwhelm of oh my god and now i don't even want to look at this anymore and i'm just going to do something else because this, this shit is just like, yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> right? It happens, okay? It happens. But it's the thing that you're most likely to avoid looking at, the thing that causes you the most pain to look at, that area, that thing, that's usually the thing that needs course correction the most. And when you look at it again, it's like, where do I start? Oh my God. And if I do this, then this is going to happen. And if I do this, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Okay. That's all left-sided brain. Okay. So I have something for you that's going to help you. It's not rocket science here. It's actually something very simple. And if you've listened to our podcast, even, you know, leading up to this point, I've utilized it several times, but I mean, it's so awesome. It bears repeating and it bears, you know, we should, we should probably do more of it. And that's the power of the breath. The what? The power of the deep breath. Let's try it. Okay? Sit up nice and tall. Stand up nice and tall wherever you are. Shoulder blades down and back. Draw your abdominals in. Take a nice deep breath. Inhale. And exhale. Inhale and exhale. Good. One more time. Inhale and exhale. Okay. So that simple exercise, what it actually does physiologically, I may not have gone to go get my PhD in physiology, but that don't mean sister girl don't know what's up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Physiologically, taking that deep breath, what actually happens is it switches your nervous system from what we call fight or flight. Okay. The survival mechanism the part of you that just works to keep you alive, the part of you that just takes all of your blood from all parts of your body and shunts it to your brain and to your lungs and to your, to your heart, the vital organs just to keep you alive, takes it away from your gut, the part of your brain that, and then the nervous system that causes you when you're under high pressure situations and you're stressing the F out, like you lose your peripheral vision, you lose your ability to hear stuff right, your ability to process information logically, your ability to be a fluid and adept communicator. Okay. <laughs> right? Okay, let's like caveman versus T-Rex with the big head and the little arms. Like that's that's fight or flight. Okay, right there. Okay? The power of the breath switches you to the opposite side. The opposite side of your nervous system. The side we call it feed or breed. Because what actually happens is the blood gets redirected back to the gut and to the reproductive organs. Okay, it's like it's like the side of your brain, which it functions like a braking system. It's like the chill pill. 
it reduces heart rate, it reduces blood pressure, it restores your peripheral vision, it allows you to hear things well, process information logically and creatively, articulate very beautifully. Okay, the breath does that. So there's something very simple that you can use with yourself, you can use it with your team. You know, you don't need anything to do it. It doesn't cost any money. You can do it any place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it help you out. So that when you're then quiet and you take those deep breaths, usually what happens is you allow that right side of your brain to kind of pop up. And then you get these little ideas. You're like, hey. That would be kind of fun to do. Or, you know what, I've always wanted to do that. Or, you know, let me go turn on some music. And then you're there and you're like, you're in the groove. And you're just like, life is good. Like, everything is, you know, moving, jiving. You find yourself in an activity that you lose yourself in for hours and hours and hours. You come back and all of a sudden you have a fresh perspective. And you're just like, okay, you know what? This is actually what I want to do. And then what do you do? Then you put an action plan into place for yourself. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, great. Then you got to go get the knowledge or you got to hire the coach or whatever. Right? Like the how-to becomes apparent after you commit. The secret is to commit first and create the how-to afterwards. That's the secret to success right there. Okay? Again, idea, inception, execution. The time period between the two is zero. Commit and then create. The time period between the two is zero, as opposed to like everybody else who has to have something or create something before they actually do or have something. You understood that though, didn't you? <laughs> right? <laughs> so at the end of the day, what has to happen once you have your clarity of your goals, okay, you figure out what it is that you want. Or even if you're at the point, you don't even know what you want. I'm thinking of like some of the women that I'm coaching right now. A couple of them have literally said, I don't even know what I want. Well, we can't move very far unless you knew. It's just like if you had a GPS in your car. If you don't program in where it is that you want to go, your destination, <laughs> right? Where are you going to go? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> are you ever going to get there? I have no idea. All right. But sometimes what actually has to happen is you got to get your shit together. You got to get organized. Sometimes you actually need to unpack mentally you need to get rid of shit inside of your house. You need to get organized. You know, like have a big purging session. Go give stuff to Goodwill, whatever. Like even then you've got to have an idea and you have to take immediate action on it because time is a ticking. And time waits for no one. So if you don't know exactly what it is that you want, sometimes it's just because you have overwhelm from what's in your physical space. Get rid of some stuff. 
But the other thing that may also impair your ability to figure out what it is that you want has to do with the order of your goals. Like how you order your goals. And what I mean by that is many people will say, like if we use, let's let's say like a fitness example. All right, once I have lost, I don't know, 50 pounds, then I will be healthy. Okay, so the key words there are have and be. And what they said first, like listen to the words literally, once I have lost 50 pounds, then I will be healthy. And the truth is, is that that order is backwards. You actually have to be something before you can have it. And that starts in your mind. So it goes back to you having clarity of your goals of what it is that you want. Some of my girls right now are hesitant to set goals because they feel that in order for them to have what it is that they really want, they need the addition of a significant other. Okay, and I always say, like, you can write your life however it is that you want. I mean, if you want to, write the goals as though the person is there, like you're calling that into, ex- into existence. But you also have to have your own goals independent of the other person. Because another person will never fulfill you. They're not going to be able to be your everything. Okay, so it's got to go a little bit deeper and touch you personally. And then, of course, like if you want goals and you want, like, you want somebody to travel the ocean blue with, I mean, by all means, put it out there. But you don't have to have a significant other or have a certain circumstance before you can be fulfilled or before you can be happy or before you can be the best person or the person that you were meant to become. Does that make sense? The order is simply backwards. So we covered quite a bit on this podcast, actually. We broke down some of those reasons that lead towards procrastination. We threw out some tactics and strategies on how to shut off (laughs) that noisy chatter inside of the brain, switch you over into creative flow, allow creativity to come up to the surface so that you have some clarity and freedom as to what it is that you want in your heart of hearts, like the things that really matter to you, the things that light you up, like the things that, you know, you've always kind of wanted to to do and now you're just like, yeah, I really want to do it. Like, let's go. But you're, you're still stuck in your current situation, Right. Whatever it is that you really want to do, it eventually comes out. If you don't allow it to express itself in full form, it's just, it's going to come out. It's just going to come out all weird, right? And it usually impacts and impairs your relationships. It usually causes massive cracks in there. I 
I'm going to close with a very bold statement. It's a belief of mine. I firmly believe that the dreams and things that are in your heart, I believe that God gave them to you. And God will never give you something and not equip you with what it takes to actually attain it or achieve it. But usually for the things that really matter before he will allow you to have those things, he knows that you actually have to be shaped into a more polished version of yourself to be able to be, I guess you could say, responsible enough to have that thing for the long haul, to keep it as sparkly and beautiful as, as what it is that you want it to be for the long haul. This is what we call heart work. So I hope that that gives you some clarity, okay, and a little bit of of balance and stability for wherever it is that you are, or if you, you know, you're dealing with your staff and you're recognizing like they're kind of like bouncing all over the place, like, ah, I don't even know, all right, that's, that's one of my specialties. You can call it organizational leadership, you can call it transformational life coaching, you can call it transition point coaching, I don't care what you call it. I call it the goals program. <laughs> that's really that's really my signature coaching program. Um, I offer it for the individual, the team. It's scalable to the agency level as well for personal professional development. And it would honestly be my great honor to serve you, your team, your agency in whatever capacity would be your greatest benefit. And if you don't even know where the F to start, well, that's fine. You know that I bring in like the consultancy side of me and then we figure stuff out and we get you moving in the right direction. Okay. Like <laughs> no problem. Okay. So here's what you need to do. Your next step then would actually be to contact me directly. So what you'll do is you'll close this podcast out, go directly. Okay. Directly is in like shorten the time period between idea and inception and execution. All right. You're on probably a mobile device, like open up a new window and go to the website, which is transformationgold.org. Click the drop down in the top right hand corner to contact us. You'll give your name, best email, phone number, and then either myself or somebody from my team will contact you within 24 hours. How's that sound? Good? All right. Well, it's been super awesome having you on this evening's podcast. Again, this is Nicole DeVincentis, and I look forward to seeing you in the very near future. Take care, everybody. Make it a great night. Bye-bye.